If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 26, Matthew chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible, there may be one in the song rack in front of you, and uh, if not, you can just listen and, and look up here. If you do have a cell phone on you, if you'd be so kind to put it on mute or vibrate, that would really be a blessing. And if you have a Starbucks in your hand right now, I would like it. I am... I've not had enough Starbucks this morning, and uh, I saw only one person with a Starbucks. It's a teenager, and I'm not going to embarrass him on the front row, Joe. But uh, so anyway, so here we are. We're in uh, Matthew chapter 26. Someone says, uh, we never thought church was supposed to be fun. We were raised in churches where if you said a word, it was like amen or silence, and you were never supposed to smile in church. You were just... Supposed to sit there like a wooden Indian or something. Uh, church ought to be a family. And it ought to be a place where you can smile, be yourself, look around. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, so if you don't like that, just see Jonathan after the service. He'll be behind the building. So in Matthew chapter 26... And looking down in verse number 36, if you're able, would you please stand for just a moment in, in honor of God's word. In Matthew chapter 26, and I'll read the passage. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. And then if you have it, we'll look over in Mark chapter 14 for just a second. Mark chapter 14. Uh, he fell on his face. Uh, he went a little further. And then we see in Mark 14 and verse number... 35, it's worded a little bit different. And it says in Mark 14, 35, And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed. A little farther, a little further, he went forward a little. Then you need not turn to it, but in 2 Peter, I'll read a verse, the last verse that Simon Peter uh, puts in the uh, scriptures for him. It says, 2 Peter 3.16, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to speak this morning for just a little while on this subject. Forward a little. Forward a little. Sometimes people choke in the Christian life. They think they have to do everything. They have to swallow the whole Bible at once. And they kind of choke. God says, hey, if you just go forward a little, I'll be happy. Amen. And uh, so that'll be the topic this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for examples that you've put in the Bible, but mostly your example while you were on earth three and a half years in ministry and 33 years physically. We pray that we'd learn something about you and from you. And take something home that we can use in our everyday lives. Thank you for those who've made a priority being in church. 
And uh, those who've served us today, driving a bus, teaching a class, helping in the nursery, speaking in the Spanish service, help us now. Be focused to what you have for us. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we have here uh, the four Gospels give this story. Jesus, of course, is God. He's always been. He left heaven about 2,000 years ago, came to the earth, and took on the form of a human. How come? He wanted to feel what we feel. He wanted to sense what we sense. He wanted tears to be able to trickle down his cheek. He wanted to one day be able to look at you in your darkest, lowest time and say, I've been there. I really understand. He's not a distant God. He is touched with our infirmities. And uh, 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 he's a man of sorrows, the Bible says, and acquainted with grief. He felt temptation. He felt grief. He felt loss. He felt loneliness. He felt all of those things. He was tempted but never sinned because he was God in a human body. As much God as he was never man, as much man as he was never God, the God-man. Do you understand it, Pastor? No, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. So here we are. He has done miracles for three and a half years. He has preached the word of God. He's done nothing but good. The Bible says he went about doing good. He raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He healed the blind. The crippled soon walked and the, and the mute spoke. And, and everywhere he went, good things happened. He fed the hungry from a little lad's lunch. He walked on the water and calmed storms. Now his ministry is finished. He has preached the gospel, which means good news that Jesus came to live die, be buried, and rise again, not just as a miracle or a feat, but for us, for the sins of the world. Without Jesus dying on the cross, we'd never go to heaven. We'd never be forgiven. Someone, uh, we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt we could not pay, and we owe him the rest of our life. So it's the end of his ministry. The religious leaders, uh, they've lost power because Jesus is now the talk of the town. They wanted religion in church to be the talk of the town. So Jesus now knows he's going to be betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas. Jesus looked at him and said, it'd been better if you had never been born. There he was, Judas, three years with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He heard him preach. He saw him walk on the water. Eleven of the disciples believed Jesus was God. Judas never did. Judas never received Christ. What a failure to be so close and yet so far away. And so here it is. Jesus is now in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, it's a part of the Mount of Olives. Jesus oftentimes resorted there to pray and speak to his heavenly father. And so now he's got uh, the 11 disciples with him. And he takes three to go a little farther. Peter, James, and John. And then he left them there and he said, and scripture says he went a little farther. He went a little further in another place. So he left them there and he went a little farther. What's that mean? That's as far as they could go. That's as far as the disciples could go. There was about to be something very, very holy that was said and no one was fit to be there. Uh, it wasn't for human consumption, if you will. And so Jesus went where we could never go. 
Jesus came from where we could never come. He left heaven, left the glories of heaven and came inside of a virgin's womb to be born of a virgin, a supernatural birth. Jesus lived a, a, a sinless life. Uh, Jesus went where we could never go. And, and then not only that, he went a little further. He went a little further. He went to Gethsemane, poured his heart out to God. He said, God, I don't want to become sin on that cross, but thy will be done, not mine. I'll do it if that's the plan. And it was the plan. Uh, He soon was arrested. And those who he had set free, uh, 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 they didn't show up, but the, uh, 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 the soldier showed up. And he said, daily I spoke with you in the temple. You could have apprehended me there. About that time when Simon Peter took a sword and uh, he needed a stick to fishing. He took a sword and swung it at one of the servants and he ducked and he cut his ear off. And Jesus, only like Jesus, picked up the ear that had been severed while his life is at stake and healed the man's ear. What a savior we have. He said, he said, if you want me, take me, let these go. They said, we're looking for Jesus. And he said, I am he. And when he said that, they flew backwards off of their feet and landed on their backsides. Why? The great I am was speaking his name to them. So they took, he had been a little further. They took him to Pilate's hall, but he didn't stop there. He went a little further and uh, they beat him and whipped his back and the blood came out and they plucked his beard and put a crown of thorns upon his head. Soon he's carrying the cross up to Golgotha's hill But he went a little farther. Uh, Soon they're nailing his hands and feet. The hands that had done nothing but uh, uh, good. And it touched and cleansed and healed. And and the feet that never walked a crooked uh, path, they were nailed to that cross. Uh, But he went a little further. And he started speaking and he said, uh, 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 he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he looked at the thief and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then he said, it is finished. He went a little further. He paid the debt of our sin. Then they put him into a tomb. He went a little further. He went where we could not go. And three days and three nights later, the uh, the stone rolled away and he walked out alive. He went a little further. He came out of the tomb. He went a little further. He ascended up to heaven. And one day he's coming a little further. He's coming back from heaven to come get us again. That's an introduction. But I want to say this. God wants to take us from where we are to where we ought to be. So that means it's a little unfamiliarity, if that's a word. We're pretty content and secure with where we are, but God says, no, I'm not content. I want you to go a little further, just a little bit further. Uh, Some place where you've never been yet uh, uh, to the unfamiliar. It was Jesus, age 12. He's in the temple asking questions and learning. He was going a little further. They said, what are you doing here? He said, know you not that I must be about my father's business? He went a little further. Successful people make a habit of doing what failures don't like to do. They go a little further. Motivation gets you going, but discipline will keep you growing. You say, well, pastor, what's some areas quickly? It's 2023, right? No, no, 2024. No, I know this. What are, what are we supposed to do this year as Christians? What does God want for us? He wants us to grow. And the word grow in the Bible, you could translate it into this, learn. It, it was Simon Peter, the disciple that denied Jesus three times. He had some growing to do. 
And finally, he writes a book of the Bible. He says, but grow in grace. Then here's the next word. And then knowledge. No. When you know more, you grow more. There's areas we each need to grow. As you learn some things, it helps you grow in your Christian life. And you're going a little further. What are some, some, some basic areas perhaps uh, as, uh, as uh, uh, guests and as members here this morning? I want to give them to you quickly. We need to grow as a student of the Bible. We need to get past just the title. And if, and if all you ever read is the title, Holy Bible, you're still doing good right there. It's the only book you can put holy in front of. And it's really meant the only book God ever wrote. It's inspired by God. 66 books without error. The Bible says preach the word. He would never tell us to preach the word if he did not give us the word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If we cannot live without every word, God would be frustrating us to not give us a book with every word that we need for life. But we need to grow as a student of the Bible. Uh, You say, what's that mean, Pastor? It means starting to get your answers from this book. Not just bring it to church. Not just glance at it out of curiosity, but to take it and say, all right, I'm raising some kids. Where's that part? Hey, I'm in debt. Where's that part? I'm going through a trial. Where's the verses that help with that part? When I was in third grade, uh, one of our teachers in Sunday school uh, told our uh, uh, boys class, if you memorize the books of the Bible, it's 66. He said, I'll take all of you guys bowling. I was third grade. What, what age is that in, uh, in Louisiana school? 16. I was 16. And <laughs> Within three weeks, every one of those kids, I think it was 15 kids in our class, had every book of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua. We had everyone. How come? We had a motivation. That's right. Let me encourage you. Become a student of this book. You say, well, how can I do it? Is there a quick way? No, there's no quick way. We do have discipleship. There's a booklet. You sit across from someone one-on-one. There's 14 topics and you're learning and you you feel uh, open to ask questions because it's one-on-one. There's fill in the blanks. So you're not just hearing what the Bible says about God or the Bible. You're seeing it for yourself. It's something else. Let me encourage you. If you've never done discipleship yet, uh, uh, Jonathan, stand up. Uh, See this man right here after the service. He'll sign you up. Thank you very much. Uh, He'll explain it to you, show you the booklet. You gotta, uh, you wanna wanna grow. You wanna grow in knowledge. When I was in Bible college, uh, uh, the pastor pointed to one of the professors and he said, you see this guy? He spends more time in the Bible than any man I know. And it was a nationally known pastor that said it. He said, this guy right here knows the Bible better than anyone in America. You know what I did? I walked up to that man after the service and I said, how may I serve you? You need your laundry done? You need me to drive your places? Need me to grade some tests? What do I need to do to help you in your ministry? Really, I had had ulcers. I had... uh, at ulterior motives. I just want, I mean, if the guy knows the Bible and I'm at college wanting to learn the Bible, I'm going to get around that guy. 
And I had question after question after question after question after question when I did. Uh, grow as a student of the Bible quickly. Go forward a little in your walk with the Lord. In your walk with the Lord. What's that mean? Learning to pray. Seeking his face, not his hand. Most every prayer that goes up, probably, in, excuse me, in America, Lord, give me something from your hand. I need this. I want this. Dear Santa, I want this. I want this. Here's, here's what I need. But I wonder how many seek his face, just get to know him. I just want to know the one that threw the stars into place. I want to know the one that lifted the sun this morning and had those light rays coming out. That's the one I want to know. Amen. I want to know the one that can beat death and rose again and promised me a mansion in heaven one day. That's the one I want to know. I right. walk with the Lord. Amen. I've had different places I've prayed. I used to pray in college on the railroad tracks. When the train came, I prayed very fast. I used to pray in the woods in Yontville. There was a place I would just get along with the Lord during the week. Had my Bible and I'm just walking through the woods praying. And one time out of the corner of my eye, I saw some, I'm just going to say hippies. Probably that's not the proper word, but it looked like some hippies. And they looked at me and I'll never forget. They said, hey, give them a rerun. Okay, forget it. Uh, they sensed I was a pastor and that's what they said to me. Uh, used to pray at the eucalyptus trees over here, Stanley Lane, till they started developing that. Now I've got a spot in my office where I just spend time with the Lord. It's just me and him. And I tell him things. Sometimes I tattle on you. Sometimes I tell him my sins. Sometimes I tell, a lot of times I tell him your sins. <laughs> Go forward a little in your, in your learning of the Bible. Go forward a little with your walk with the Lord. Go forward a little. Here you go. In your marriage. That's good. I do more marriage counseling than I do singles counseling. How come? Because two can live as cheap as one, but only half as long. <laughs> What's that mean? If you're going to have a, uh, go from a good marriage to a great marriage, you're going to have to learn some things. One of the books of Simon Peter, it says, but grow in knowledge. It's talking to husbands. The reason why sometimes marriages are staying it good and they could be great is because of a lack of knowledge. They just don't know how. They don't know how to be a good husband. Uh, if you were to look at my family, my mom and dad, they were married uh, 63 years. My wife's parents were married 68 years. It's a miracle. Neither one of the marriages were great, but they just, just stuck it out. My parents never had examples as a good marriage. So I didn't see my dad bringing flowers like Brother Hard has done so many times uh, to his wife. And just every time I go to the house, there's fresh flowers. He's always bringing flowers to Beverly. But I never saw that in my house. I never saw remembering the birthday and remembering the anniversaries and being home for Christmas and shopping. My dad was gone a lot. My mom was just working. So we never had a great example. My wife's parents either. So what do you do? You just have a good marriage when you could have a great one? No, you got to learn. Amen. That's why we fly and guest speakers to have marriage conferences. Why? So we can learn. And then we video record them so those who miss them, they can still tune in and learn. 
And that's why we sell these marriage books. Why? Because as you grow, uh, you got to go a little further. Years ago, I was getting out of the car. And if you know much about me or you hang around me, I'm in fast speed all the time. You go on a vacation, you can see eight countries in uh, 16 days. It's what my wife and I did for our anniversary. And she said, can we stay here a little longer? I said, no, we just took a picture. We'll enjoy it when we get home. So I was getting out of the car as my wife and me and, and our son Paul. And we got out of the car one day. We were heading somewhere. And, and I got out and I said, hey, Paul, get your mom's door, would you? And I had something I was doing or carrying something. And so when I got in the house, I said, babe, come here. Let me kiss you. She said, uh, tell Paul to kiss you. <laughs> Paul got my door. Paul can kiss you. Uh, you're going to have to... Uh, uh, we need to grow in our marriages. Someone said there's two ways to figure out a woman, and no one has ever figured out either one of them yet. Go a little further in your marriage. Go a little further in your soul winning. A little further in your soul winning. Folks, 100 years from now, none of us are going to be here. 50 years from now, most of you will not be here. At the end of this year, I hate to say it, I'm not some prophet of doom. It's just statistics. Somebody in this room won't be here. They won't be on planet Earth. And you know what's going to matter? What you did for him and who you brought with you. You got to get good at it. On our website, there's a video, How to Go to Heaven. If you don't know how to explain that to someone, share the gospel, you could just say, hey, sit down, watch this. You could just sit down with someone. You could take our church gospel track and read it to somebody. You could take the cartoon that we did, the Jose cartoon, and just say, hey, just watch this. Look, look, let's watch it together. It is so easy. When I was a young man, I just figured the greatest possible goal is to get my friends saved. And I remember starting to read, I started reading this book on soul winning, looking at, uh, 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 hearing these videos on soul winning. Why? Because I get one chance at this. We've got to get good at it. Not everyone's going to come to church and hear the gospel, but they'll listen to you. They don't know me. They don't know if I live it or not, but they know your life. They'll listen to you. Man. That's good, Pastor. Why don't you go a little further in your witnessing and soul winning? Someone only you could lead to Christ this year would listen to you. I want to say it quickly as a steward. Go a little further in your stewardship. Heard the story about how they were catching monkeys in Africa. And the story goes that they didn't need a net. All they did, they just got a coconut and hollowed out the coconut just big enough for the hand of a monkey to go in it. They would fill it with rice. They would tie the coconut with a rope to a tree. And so when they would come by, sure enough, there were all those monkeys with their hands in the coconut. They weren't stuck. They had grabbed the rice and wouldn't let go. They wouldn't let go. So they just scooped them up and brought them to the zoos. If we're not careful, folks... We stick our hand in the coconut. God has blessed us with stuff and money and income and all these blessings. And somehow we won't let it go. 
Is it not interesting when Jesus was crucified, his hands were nailed open? When people pass away, check their hands. Most of the time, their hands are open. You don't take anything with you. The moment you and I die, and hopefully this isn't true. My wife's here right now. Probably, probably it is true. After a while, they're going to say, all right, so we're getting rid of this. We're getting rid of this. Uh, who's going to want his ties? Who's going to want his animals off his wall? Who's, the animals off my wall. Who's going to want his marlin? Who's going to want his Bibles? Who do I give this to? Where do we sell this? And in just a few weeks, it's all gone. Except, except for what you invested Amen. in his work. In his work. I want to say this quickly here. Go a little further in your child rearing. Go a little further in your child rearing. The folks, hate to tell you, I think we're weak on this sometimes in our church. Just because a man and a woman is old enough physically to conceive a child together, that does not know, that does not mean they have the wisdom to know how to raise a child for God. And if you look at the way some of us were raised, it's a miracle we're even in church today, to be honest with you. So what do you do? You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to grow. You're going to have to get some knowledge. So what do we do here? And I got five minutes and I got a lot to say, so we're going to talk fast. Here we go. That's the areas we need to grow or learn. Now, I want to give you this quickly now. So, how do we go farther? How do we do it? Number one, do it now. Do it now. Here's a little riddle. See how smart y'all. You ready? Five frogs were on a log. Four decided to jump off. How many frogs are now on the log? Five. Four decided to jump. Never said they did it. Ah, I hate the pastor. Throw a songbook at me. Throw one at me. A lot of people decide to do a lot of things. They just never go through with it. You ever been there? Probably not you, but I have. We get out of our comfort zone. 19 years ago in my heart, I knew God wanted us to start a church in Oakland. I said, I'll take one of my soul winning days. I'll bang on doors. We'll rent a building. There's got to be. There's got to be a thousand people in Oakland want to go to a loving Bible-believing church. We interviewed people. We started going there. We announced it at the church. You know what we did? We went a little farther. We started that church. By the way, it's still going. When God put on our heart, hey, make a gospel cartoon. I've never seen a gospel cartoon. How are we going to pay for it? I don't know. One of our men said, Pastor, if God has placed it on your heart, he'll finance it. And by the time that cartoon got finished, it was all paid for. One guy, I was speaking at a camp. I just showed it. I said, I want y'all just praying about that. There's no offering. I'm not asking for money, but I'm just going to show it to you. Pray for this project. A guy I'd never met in my life from Anderson, California, walked up and said, God told me to give you this. Slip me a check for 10,000 bucks. I said, you know, I got a few more projects too in the future. 
You know what that was God? That was God saying, if you leave your comfort zone and go a little further, I'll finance, I'll finance that thing. Someone showed me the other day on a website, one guy posted it on his own website. It was over 850,000 hits and views. So it has now been millions of people who've seen that thing, 120 countries. How come? Because God said, go a little farther. Go a little farther. Our buildings that were built out of our comfort zone, we didn't have money to pay for those. We still don't. They're repossessing them. <laughs> Do it now. Number two, you'll have to admit you don't have all the answers. That's a hard part of growing. You have to admit, I don't know it all. I'm not great at child rearing. I'm not great at being a husband or a wife. I'm not a good steward. You know, I'm not good with money. I'm not, I'm not real good with this thing of self-control and addictions. And I keep falling off the wagon. And I'm not real good with the Bible. You're going to have to admit you don't have all the answers. Number three, it requires making mistakes. If I could tell you all about my daddy... He was a salesman. I think he had, what's that word, babe? Is, it wasn't OCD. Uh, he, had a, he had a high, a high, no. No, because I'm related to him. It was, it was a, he had a, he had a, a high, uh, he had to have. We'll come back tonight. We'll figure out what. what, what the, <laughs> he had to. He had to be He had to be entertained all the time. He lost interest quickly. He got bored quickly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably what it is. okay. So one week he's selling pinball machines. One week he's selling wigs. One week after his crime days, he's selling cars. He's selling used mobile homes. He's doing this. Then one day he comes home. Well, I found, you know, uh, every month there was the new, hey, we're going to make millions. I mean, every month there was something new. This time, I said, man, this is the lowest it's ever going, Dad. He said, earthworms. <laughs> so that's it. Kind of dirty business. Okay. I can just see me and my brother door to door. We got big ones. We got little ones. We got night crawler. How many would you like to buy? You know, everyone loves earthworms. Come on, Dad. Hey, he made $900,000 that year. He'd pull up for meetings in a brand new Lincoln Continental. He printed, he printed his worm company on soda cans and 100% uh, 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 worm juice. You know, it was, it was, it was, it's a promotional gimmick and... My dad made 900000 Hey, you know what he did? He left his comfort zone and he went forward a little. Amen. Went forward a little. Requires making mistakes quickly. It requires asking the right questions. Here's what that means. Okay, let me just demonstrate. Okay, let's say I'm a newlywed couple. Anybody newlywed, you've been married 35 years or less. 35 years or less, you're still a newlywed couple. Okay. So here's what that means, asking the right questions. You're about to get married or you just got married. So you get around someone that's been married 25, 30, 40 years who's got a great marriage, who's fun, who enjoy each other, 
You say things like this. So, if you could do it all over, what would you change your first year of marriage? Tell me about your date nights. Where did y'all go? Did you take a vacation? Tell me about your finances. How much time did y'all spend together? Did you have best friend couples? What was the biggest thing you argued about? What's your advice for us right now? We're on our first year. Tell me. You know what you're doing? You're asking the right questions. Some of you that are in debt right now, you ought to get around someone that's good at making money. They're solid. They've got money laid up. Uh, they've done it right. And they're good with finances. And they're a tither. And they give and they're generous. Uh, you need to say, how'd you do that? Give us some advice. What are we doing wrong? You got to ask the right questions. Jesus was age 12 in the temple. He was asking questions of the religious leaders. When you ask questions, you show that you're wise. When I first moved here, I invited some of the greatest speakers we could ever have at our church. And it wasn't even for the church, it was for me. So when they came to speak to the church, we'd go out to eat and I'd say, all right, here's my list of questions. Can I ask you some things? At my age, what would you do? You saw our building. What would you do? Would you build? When would you hire? What would you do? What should my goals be? Tell me about family time. Tell me about child rearing. And asked all these questions. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to ask the right questions quickly. That means you may look foolish to others. People that go a little further, they're taking a chance of looking foolish to others. I think of Gideon in the Bible that won a major battle. God said, here's how you do it. I want you to take this cruise that, uh, or a pitcher. It's going to have a candle in it and a trumpet. Can you imagine? We're heading into battle. All right. Report for your weapons, sir. What do we get? A pitcher. What do we get? Trumpet. That's it. That's it. I'm sure they look kind of dumb. I'm sure Joshua's army, as they just marched around the walls of Jericho, playing a trumpet, I'm sure they looked kind of foolish. I'm sure they did. But they didn't mind looking a little foolish. I want to end up saying this too. If you're going to go a little further, let me encourage you. Go a little in further, a little bit further, investigating Christianity. Last story and I'm done. We've not had a lot of police officers join our church and come. So the story stands out. Years ago, there's a fellow, his, his wife started visiting our church. She ran a daycare. Uh, they had a lot of kids themselves. He was a police officer. And she started coming all the time. He wouldn't come. And finally, he visited our church. And that week, we had a long talk. And I asked him, I said, so just tell me, just... Out of the blue, what do you believe? He said, I'm an atheist. I've met a lot. I said, so what's that mean? He said, well, he said, yeah, I'm an atheist. He said, no, really, I'm an agnostic. Well, agnostic means ah, means don't. Gnostic means no, don't know. So I said, you're an agnostic. I said, so are you an honest agnostic or a dishonest agnostic? He said, well, what's the difference? I said, an honest agnostic don't know, but wants to know. I don't know if this book is true, but if it is, I want to know. I don't know if there's a God, but if there is, I want to know. 
I said, and a dishonest agnostic don't know and don't want to know and doesn't want to bother investigating. He said, I guess I'm an honest agnostic. I said, okay, so you don't know. I said, here's my challenge. Here's your Bible. Read one page a day out of the book of St. John, the Gospel of John. I said, I can't prove to you there's a God. That's not my job. That's his job. I said, I just want you to pray this prayer. If you're real, show me. I said, one page a day and that little prayer. He said, I can do that. I said, okay. About a month later, I see him sitting in the pew. And at the end of the service, I said, let's stand. Piano's going to play. If you're coming to get baptized, come. If you got saved this week, we're going to announce it. Tell everybody you come. If you'd like to receive Christ as Savior, would you come? And he stepped out. His name was Alan. He stepped out of his seat, walked forward, tears in his eyes. And they said, why have you come forward, Alan? He says, it's real. He's proved it to me. I've read the Bible for 30 days in a row. I can't deny it. He's the Savior. I want to accept him in my heart. Amen. And he got saved right here. He went a little further. He didn't just hear it. He received it. I don't know what God is talking to you about. We're at the beginning of the year. Your life is going to be exactly what it is right now, this time next year. If you don't decide to go a little further. And God will help you. He didn't say cross the finish line. He said just a little further. And he'll give you grace and strength to do that.